Good morning and welcome, and we are joined at this time by Megan Abraham, the Indiana State Entomologist. Good morning to you, Megan. How are you on this fine Friday? Good morning. Very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on, uh, Megan. And uh, one thing in particular that uh, I kind of curi- um, piqued my curiosity was the spotted lanternfly is in part of uh, southeastern Indiana. Now, uh, can you tell us uh, exactly what is the spotted lanternfly? Right. So the spotted lanternfly is an invasive insect, which just means that it's not native and that it can potentially cause harm to the environment. Um, and so spotted lanternfly is a plant hopper that originated from Asia. And it came here to the United States in about 2014 in Pennsylvania. They found it um, had traveled on some, what they believe, some hardscape or some stone that traveled from Asia into somebody's yard. Um, and then they, um, they found it starting to escape out of the area that it was brought into. Um, once it swarmed, then it started moving to other states. Um, and right now, it's moving across the state of Pennsylvania and up and down the East Coast. Now, this insect is an, is an insect that is actually uh, damaging mostly to vineyards, um, and they will actually uh, bring in um, diseases to the vineyards as well as um, be able to congregate so much on these vines that they'll actually be able to kill them. Um, in addition, um, they congregate in such a way that um, their uh, honeydew, which is excrement, will come out of the insect and start building up mold, which, of course, is something that you don't want around your vineyard grapes. Um, so for these reasons, it's really important that we monitor and, and try and control the spread of this particular invasive insect. Um, they're especially concerned about it out on the West Coast, where all of our vineyards in the United States mostly are. Um, but this insect is starting to track across the United States um, and just marching along um, and being introduced in all different kinds of ways. For example, um, we found recently that it's traveling along the railroad corridors. Um, it's really attracted to um, an another invasive plant that we have here called Tree of Heaven, um, and a lot of times you'll find those on the um, outskirts of forest, so the Tree of Heaven plants. Um, they also like to align the railroad corridors. Um, so these insects will be on that Tree of Heaven, and then as a freight train passes to go either towards the East Coast or the West Coast, uh, the insect floats down and lays eggs on it, and then that insect can end up anywhere there's transports are. And could you describe exactly what the bug looks like uh, for those who uh, may not be familiar with it? Sure. So the adult insect is about an inch long, um, and it has an underwing, which two sets of wings, but the underwing is a bright red. So when it plants, it hops from one plant to another. Um, it'll often display that bright red underwing. Um, but the outer wing is actually a gray color with um, dark black spots. So these guys will actually kind of blend into the trees that they're on this time of year. Um, but you will specifically be able to notice when they're around because they tend to congregate. Um, they really like to be all on one tree. Um, and then the excrement that they provide 
would start creating city mold in the area and attracting bees sometimes. And uh, you mentioned, uh, Megan, the um, you know, vineyards in uh, Switzerland County in particular. Uh, they have some vineyards. Of course, they have the uh, Swiss Wine Festival in Vivi every year. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the particular damage, um, danger to those. But uh, um, as far as uh, people's property uh, you know, at their homes, uh, can this present a problem to uh, their trees and uh, maybe their uh, flowers and so forth? Right. So, yes, so they also are attracted to several different trees that are in our native ecosystem. In particular, they, they intend to go towards walnut, um, but they also like fruit trees. Um, and, and most of the issue that you're going to have if you have a spotted lantern fly infestation running around your home is that they're going to create such a mess underneath them um, that it would... Um, might discolor your house or might uh, create that city mold. Um, it'll also bring in other insects that are interested in um, the, the uh, excrement that they are producing because it happens to be a sugary substance called honeydew. And so they'll bring in other uh, insects that might come in and uh, swarm the area. And uh, are there uh, different uh, types of uh, species of this uh, particular fly? No, what we're finding actually is this spot of lanternfly seems to be genetically uh, compatible across the board in all the different locations that they found it. So there are some slight variations, um, but the insect itself is pretty much the the one type of of spot of lanternfly insect. And uh, as far as uh, how people can monitor uh, the situation, uh, what should they do? Uh, what uh, measures should they take? Right. So this insect also has um, the ability, uh, a nymphal stage that's quite um, easy to determine that that's what it is. As a nymph, um, they have four different instars, but they're a bright, bright red color with black dots or white dots on them. Um, and so that... Um, that nymphal stage starts in early May, um, and that's when they start coming out, and the best time to start controlling them, of course, is before they turn into adults and become more mobile, or they start eggs. So we always encourage people to keep an eye out for these and these insects, and please let us know if you see them, um, just because um, anytime you guys are out there taking a look at your surroundings and see something different, um, it helps us to let to let us know when you do so. It'll it'll help us control the population a lot sooner. And just, in fact, that's actually what happened in the spot in Vivi. Um, we had a gentleman that owned the property call us and let us know that he had found a um, spot of lantern flying nymph and sent us a picture. Um, and that without him reporting that, he wouldn't have found that site. Um, and if that site had been allowed to mature and the insects establish, um, there would have been less chance we would be able to control or slow down the movement of that pest out of its site. And how can people go about uh, reporting if they happen to see the spotted lantern fly? Sure. We've got a couple of different methods. Um, there's an email that you can send us an email at BEPP at dnr.im.gov, 
or you can contact us at no or eight six six no exotic. So spell out eight six six no exotic, and you'll reach our lab phone. All right. So again, Megan, that is uh, call eight six six no exotic or eight six 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 three nine six eight four. And email is depp at dnr.in.gov. That's correct. Oh. Yes. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a timeout, and we'll continue our conversation with Megan Abraham, the state entomologist. That's coming up right after this. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let to go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville to go. Big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back to the Daily Pond as we continue our conversation with Megan Abraham, the state entomologist. And, of course, uh, Megan, uh, fall and winter upon us. Um, Of course, winter will be here before we know. But as far as the um, uh, bug species and uh, what happens to them uh, during the fall and winter, I know you don't see them as much, but uh, I imagine that there's some that are uh, are still out there and still doing what they do. Is that that pretty much uh, on target? Right. Yeah. So it depends on the species. You have so very many different species of insects all over. Indiana, um, but depending on the type of insect, in the winter months, they will typically go into a diapause, which is kind of things like a hibernation, like a bear would do. Um, but they can do that in various different life stages. So many, many, many of our insects here in the Midwest will lay eggs in the fall, um, and then the adults will die off, letting the next generation start in the spring. But there are quite a few insects that we also have that will remain adult through the winter months um, and be able to survive um, because they are not a warm-blooded species and because they have the ability, they've got a chemical component to them that's almost like an antifreeze that allows them to survive the winter months just going into that diapause stage. So... Many will hide in leaf litter, or they might uh, find um, a warmer spot next to a home, um, but they, they'll find these crashing crevices over winter and protect their bodies um, while they're in this diapause stage. Now, say I'm a homeowner, and I don't want to be bothered by pests. I know that that uh, sounds impossible, but are there measures that a homeowner can take uh, to avoid uh, having a pest uh, you know, maybe around their home or even getting into their home? Well, I would say that you probably live with quite a few insects, not particular pests, but insects that you just never notice. Um, but the key to making sure that you're... Um, not faced with a, a, a large population of pests or insects in their home would be through basic um, exclusion measures, meaning making sure that you're going around in, in the spring and the fall and making sure that all of your um, windows have screens that are, are still intact, um, making sure that you're keeping them the door to the outdoors closed, 
um, at high activity time. Um, and then there's also uh, sanitation measures that you can take. And that doesn't just mean um, being a clean person. It means making sure that you're not leaving standing waters outside in your yard. Um, maybe that the leaf litter is cleared away from the edges of the home. Um, all of these measures can be taken to reduce the, the likelihood of insects being able to enter your home for the winter. And of course, uh, you mentioned standing water. That's usually what you um, what you hear about in the spring and summer, um, in particular with um, you know some some of the other um, you know bugs and so forth. But uh, but that's and obviously that's true as far as uh, the winter is concerned. But um, uh, as far as uh, some other uh, pests of, of concern, um, are there are, are there pests that uh, people should be concerned about in the fall and winter months in addition to the spring and summer? You know, for the most part, it gets so cold here in Indiana that the majority of our insects go into diapods. Now, some of them will get confused if they come out, um, they'll come out early if we have a couple of warm days or a warm snap at early um, spring, and they'll come out and force and, and start trying to live out in the environment. Oftentimes, what will happen then is an old, another cold snap can show off population. Um, and some of the insects that we notice right away when we have these kinds of things are ones that are right around our home. So um, oftentimes we'll get phone calls about lady beetles that are uh, congregating on light surfaces, their homes in, in the um, early spring just because the, the house is a warm um, um, beacon for them to come and sun themselves on. Um, but a lot of times what will happen is these these populations will kind of take care of themselves as long as you can keep them out outside of your house. Later, cold snaps will kill off those populations, and then it'll be less to contend with later on in the spring. Yeah, and that's uh, funny that you uh, mentioned the... Um yeah, the uh, warm spells uh, in the uh, in the wintertime, Megan, because, uh, yeah, you're I have noticed that and I'm sure a lot of other folks have noticed that where these uh, bugs that you would expect to see in the uh, spring and summer, you know, they, they rear their heads and, uh, you know, and people, have, you know, express concern or whatever the case may be. But uh, that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Right. Indiana's kind of famous for their little Indian summers. And so we'll have these nice warm periods and the insects will start thinking um, that it's time to emerge. They leave their protected spots, and then um, when the next cold front comes through, sometimes they're killed off. And sometimes this will actually help us with our work here in our, with our invasive species. For example, we've got um, gypsy moth populations in northern Indiana that we've been um, treating for the last 30-plus years here in Indiana and to reduce their impact on our environment. And, and occasionally we'll hit a really um, bad ice storm after some milder weather, and that will actually help us in some of our endeavors to slow down the movement of this insect, um, killing off some of the caterpillars for us instead of having to spray them. And I know uh, one thing that uh, an insect that has uh, uh, really uh, bothered trees around the, around the area and uh, throughout the state of Indiana is the emerald ash borer. And, uh, uh, and give us a little bit of a background as far as emerald ash borer, uh, when to look, uh, look for it, uh, what to look for. All right. 
to southern Indiana, it's definitely still dealing in the thick of the wave of the killing wave of Emerald Ash Borer. Um, and, and so most of northern Indiana has basically lost a lot of their ash component in our, in our native um, woodlands. We had upwards of 7% of our forest in, in native ash here in Indiana prior to the um, appearance of the emerald ash borer insect. Um, these insects will, are actually beetles that arrived, um, we believe, on pallet stock from Asia again. Um, and they um, will create such damage underneath the bark of an ash tree on, on that spongy layer that um, the, the tree uses to feed itself, that it will essentially girdle or strangle the tree that they're living on. Um, these insects continue to be an issue and start, and they're still moving through the United States. Um, and I would say that the front of the, that killing wave is now in southern Indiana. Um, it's already moved through the rest of the state here. Um, and it dispersed so much that the federal government has actually removed quarantines on this insect um, because they're now concentrating their efforts on other programs, including um, uh, biological control um, programs where we're releasing different insects into the environment, hoping that they curb the population of emerald ash borer. Um, but emerald ash borer is basically going to be an insect that we live with here in the Midwest now. Um, we probably will never have another time where we've got 7% of our wood lots um, in ash, but there is some hope. There is some signs that there are some um, natural resistance to emerald ash borer. So there's some crossbreeding programs going on right now where they're trying to selectively breed um, ash trees so that we can start planting them at some point in the future without worrying about them um, being attacked by emerald ash borer. But most likely emerald ash borer is here in the United States to stay. And uh, finally, uh, Megan Abraham, uh, anything else that uh, you want to put forth this morning before we uh, let you resume your Friday? Sure. Well, I would just like to say thank you very much for having me. But um, the really important message that I need your listeners to know is that if you spot something that's strange to you in your environment that you're familiar with, it's best to, to stay on the safe side and contact us and let us know. I have some fantastic staff that work for me, but there's only about a dozen of us for the entire state of Indiana. And so we have a hard time being everywhere at once. Uh, so if we can borrow your eyes and you can let us know when you spot something that doesn't quite look right or hasn't been there before, we'd much rather take the time to let you know what, what it is you're seeing um, and we'll find those early infestations uh, than have you sit on it and, and um, we could have done something about it earlier. And uh, where are the uh, contact points uh, once again, Megan Abraham? Absolutely. So you can contact us at our email address, which is depp at dnr.in.gov, or you can call us at one eight six six no exotic. All right. Well, Megan Abraham, state entomologist for the state of Indiana, we appreciate your time this morning, and uh, we will talk to you uh, another time down the road. Sounds great. Thank you.
Coming up next on the Daily Pod, Brent Lee spoke with Jared Klosterkemper with Tree City Brew Company following the Brew Pub's ribbon cutting this week. That's coming up right after this.